morning. Welcome to AV Daybreak. This is Mark Coxon, and I'm here with, as always, Jared Hillman. How are you, Jared? Doing well. Grass is green. Sun is warm. <laughs> the, are those the two qualifiers? That if the sun is warm and the grass is green, then it's a good day. That's the mantra. That's the mantra, right? Sun is warm. Grass is green. I'm I'm reading Cormac McCarthy right now. So, like in his books, the grass is not green and the sun is never warm. Um, in oh. fact, I think it was described as a cold red phallus in one of the books I was just reading <laughs> as it poked its head up over the mountainside. So if you want to have like some really weird discussion about the sun, you'd have to, you'd have to read that book. I, I, I don't, but okay. Nope. <laughs> you go there. <laughs> I read different books. Yes. What yes. different books for sure. Yeah. I, he's, he's an author that I've read quite a few books by. Um, however, I don't know that I've ever felt extremely good after reading one, although I've always enjoyed reading it, which is a very weird kind of like, like George Orwell. Yeah. Uh, George Orwell, <laughs> um, but depressing. <laughs> if, so you you're think saying, of, if you think of Orwell as an optimist, then yes, very much. <laughs> It'd be George Orwell, well, except a pessimistic version of him. Well, I don't know if Orwell, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider Orwell very optimistic. No, I wouldn't either. I'm just telling you. It's, it's a dark Orwell. Orwell. Orwell seems like one of those guys that at like events, family events, right? Where he just like laid out the facts. And he, he was kind of like a negative Nancy, but it was like, oh, George, quit being so negative. And he's like, he's, but he claims to be a realist. You know those people where it's like, man, you're so negative. And they're like, I'm not negative. I'm a realist. <laughs> You know what I'm talking. You know those people, right? Yeah, for yeah. for sure. Yeah, the pe- Yeah, exactly. I, do I know. Do they people. have those people in California? Is that a thing? Do they have realists oh. and pessimists in California? What do they call people who think the sun revolves around them? Those are the kind of people we have. They're, that that kind of cyst is the one we have here a lot. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> for sure. How's your week been, man? I saw an Instagram story. Um, it looked like you were working on at, you were actually doing AV work this week. No, I was just there getting film. I was getting B-roll. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, I want to look apart. No, you know, you know what? Um, yeah, I, I, I did that Instagram story on the wireless chargers that you and I talked about, mm-hmm. which they, they worked out awesome, but they were not without complication. Right. Because, because when you, when you have a, you know, a three quarter, inch hole from a microphone and then you have to drill that hole out bigger without using like a mandrel or like a pilot it, yep. it creates complications and so i don't know if you saw the little jigs we had cnc machined with three pre-drilled screw holes and uh and a pilot hole so i, I i'm telling everyone right now if you don't have a friend that owns a cnc machine get one <laughs> <laughs> i like that and yeah it was awesome but that that worked out awesome the wireless chargers cnc machine was one of my favorite bands they're they're gonna make you sweat move it let your body lose control let the music move you rage rage, or rage against the cnc machine exactly rage against the cnc machine (laughs) (laughs) what about you i asked you it's funny because i asked you what you were doing i said what are you up to this week the other night and you're like oh we've got we've got a guest on this week and you just went right to the show and I was like, Mark, there's, there's more to life than AV daybreak. So what do you have going on in life? And then you, and then you told me. 
yes. which is good. Exactly. Well, you keep, you know, you keep widening our relationship here, Jared. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable with it. You know, baby steps, yeah. baby steps. And in fact, talking to you more than four or five minutes gets awkward. So I want to call our guest. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> everyone says that. Everyone says that. Why does everybody say that? There's, I think there's an AB thing. There's a, there's a great, um, there's a great poster by Despair Inc. You know, like the opposite of the motivational posters. They have the demotivators yes. with the pictures and the little sayings. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite ones is dysfun dysfunction and it has this chain and this link is breaking in the chain. And it says, uh, the only consistent feature in all your dissatisfying relationships is you. <laughs> that's like, that's like, uh, have you ever seen Megan Dutta has, has, uh, she, she's like, she must have a calendar at her desk. Oh yeah, like yeah. Just I've seen it. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Very, very unmotivating uh, comments and and stuff like that. <laughs> well, well, well I'm I am I'm going to call our uh, our guest this morning. So we're going to call Murphy Daly. And Murph, did you know that Murphy Daly is more Twitter famous than Chris Netto? No. She is. She has more followers. And they're wow. they're legit followers too. They're not paid ones like Netto. they're not paid. They're not paid. They're not bots. We're, we're gonna have to ask her. <laughs> we're gonna have to ask her how she made this happen. So let's call. Awesome. Let's call Murphy. I don't know what phone we're what what phone are we using, Jared? You always have good ideas for the phone. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't up on it today, but that's okay. Uh, we'll randomize we'll it. The yeah. phone randomizer. Murphy. Are you there? Hi, Mark. Good morning. How are you doing? Don't worry about, don't worry about Jared. Yeah, don't. <laughs> He's just the co-host. I'm just the co I'm just the low. I'm just the co-hero. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here, guys. Well, I'm excited that you that you came on because you are someone that I met in the industry um, through when I was at Barco like a few years ago, we kind of virtually, we're not virtually met, we met via the phone and got to work on a, a project together a little bit. And I, I came away from that conversation saying, that is somebody who's extremely well organized <laughs> and knows their job very well. Um, I didn't yet, I didn't actually know it well yet because I was early in my PMing career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and, and I'm like, oh, I am so much even more organized now. Now I kind of have um, got my systems. Yeah. But, it, it, um, PMing is definitely about, PMing is definitely about systems. I know, I know a lot of people, it seems like, um, and Jared and I talked about this before, kind of like with the e-myth uh, about like somebody who's good at doing their work, you know, decides to start their own business doing the work. I feel yeah. like we kind of have that in AV sometimes too, that there's like a PM myth that if you're a really good tech, you'll make a really good PM. And that's not typically the case. Yeah. No. no. And, and aren't there the people that, that think, okay, my next step is to be a PM and then they go do it and go, Whoa, and back off. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, that's, I think that's exactly what it is, is that we, sometimes we take this progression um, we look at, we look at kind of the hierarchy of the job site and we think that that's the career pro progression, mm -hmm. right? When maybe, maybe that's not exactly what it is, but maybe if you're a really great technician, you might 
maybe you have aptitude to be a PM, maybe you have aptitude to be a programmer, maybe you're gonna be a great lead tech for a long time and have an awesome career doing it. Um, but yeah. Welcome to, welcome to the corporate lattice, Mark. <laughs> the corporate. No more, yeah, yeah, they, they, they call that the corporate, they, to remove the corporate ladder, and now it's the corporate lattice, right? Because everyone moves, can move in so many different directions. There's like, ah, it's yeah. Yeah. It's the cargo net of life. Yeah. But we're, we're also guilty of that. We're, we're, um, our technicians, you know, two or three positions above is, is a project manager, right? Like our, our, our org chart would show that that would be the natural progression, but because of our, just the way that we work flexibility wise and go anywhere, but you're, you're not wrong that in the industry, they, people do think that that's the next step. Well, exactly. Yeah. It's very strange. Well, another reason I'm excited to be talking to you guys, Mark and Jared, is because um, this is actually the fourth podcast I've been a guest on, but it is the first AV podcast I've been a guest on. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I, what did you say? This is the best podcast you've been on? Is that what I heard? <laughs> yes. yes. That's okay. I, that's what I heard. Now, so, um, I must give Mark props because... He probably doesn't know this, but, um, well, the near past, we just got hit by COVID and everybody had to stay at home and a lot of people got laid off. And I was one of those people that was laid off from my previous job. I remember seeing the posts. Yes. And um, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I better network like crazy. That's what you do. You go meet with people, figure out who's what and, and find your next place, right? And um, so I start plugging into what is happening and I've, um, I found a webinar that Mark was part of and it was called Personal Branding Part Two. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, and um, it was about like you and Chris Netto and um, I forget the name of the woman that was also, oh Camille Birch. Yep. Um, yeah. um, talking about, and and, I had known Chris Netto because, you know, he's very good at reaching out and I'd known him for quite a while. Um, but Never I heard of the guy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was just like, okay, what is happening? And, and um, I knew he's really good at it. And what the, one of the questions at the end, the people questions at the end was, um, are you afraid to talk about, are you afraid to, because of your job, are you afraid to talk about and be um, visible in, in social media? <clears throat> and Mark's answer was, what? No, it's great. They would love it. I can't <laughs> think of anybody that has, um, that wouldn't love it or something to that effect. And I, in the chat, cause love the chat, get involved yep. in the chat. And uh, that's what makes it so good. You can, <laughs> um, I said, oh, I have. Uh-huh. And you, resp you replied to me, so you were doing the, the, the talking and the chatting at the same time, which is, which is extra, very good. Um, and you're like, what, really? And I hadn't thought about it before. Yeah. I, it was kind of one of those things where I'd had two separate jobs hit me hard and be like, don't you ever do this again. Um, so I had kind of sealed in an airlock uh -huh. my social media presence 
like that is for me that is for my other world and my career the part where i make money is the other world and they shall not touch uh -huh. so um but i thought what because you you made me think about it. i'm like oh i don't have to do that i can sort of come out and say i do this too <laughs> This is who I am too. I'm all those things, right? And in the yoga pants brigade, um, all the people that are into, uh, you know, the women's world of be yourself and all this, I don't know, this, this, this women's the, empowerment. The yoga pants brigade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a small side discussion. There is definitely a different tone among the, um, career and business books that are focused towards women than for men. Mm. And some men are completely unaware of that, but we'll talk about that a little later if you want. I, yeah, I, I, would already know, I can already know where that, I already know where that conversation would go. Okay, good. So maybe yeah. we don't need to have it, but, um, <laughs> but there's a different tone. So um, being my fullest self might not come up in um, every business book. We're like, Oh, I'm going to try that and I'm just going to be all the things Yeah. because I want a job and because it's way more fun. And honestly, it's kind of hard to keep those separate. So I don't want to do it anymore. That's so awesome. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm humbled that maybe somehow joining that webinar made you, made you open up a little bit. That's really cool. Uh, yes. And not only it changed my life, not only did I open up, and I found a job pretty fast, which, which is not, you know, it's not nothing in this time. Well, I want to talk uh, about that. I want to talk about that too, but I'll let you finish your thought. Okay. But also, um, I've been able to really openly connect with people, which is what happens when you be genuine. And when you say, this is who I am. Anybody else want to be like that too? Anybody else here too? And um, I was able to really connect with a bunch of people. I love, mm, and here we come back to AV. I love this technology. I deeply, deeply love it. Not because what it does is it connects people. It connects people from wherever they are. And I love the passion. Mm -hmm. I, I do for sure. So yeah. one of the things, one of the things I admire about Murphy, and I'll say real quick with the, um, is that, you know, when, you know, a lot of people um, kind of wait for things to come to them, I would say in a way. Um, you know, there, we're, we're in this world where, you know, if you're looking for a job, a lot of the, the initial contact with the company is virtual. You send something out, it goes into a little black bucket. You don't know who to follow. I mean, it's, it's not the world where you've met somebody and you know who to follow up with, right? When you're looking for a job right now, it, it becomes very difficult. Um, and you have to find ways to get yourself out of the pile. And then once you do get out of the pile, it's very hard to kind of know what the protocol is on do I just wait for someone to contact me? If, you know, those kind of things. And um, what I really- Three days to call. Right, yeah. Three days to call? Yeah. Yeah, like wait, there you no, go. that's dating, I'm sorry. That's dating. <laughs> but the, the, I think the thing, the, the interesting thing that I saw Murphy do was, I mean, you set a goal. You said, yep. hey, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have X amount of interviews, I forget what your number was. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yes. Okay. Okay. This but is not only that, resumes too. Because every day you were posting yep. how many resumes you had sent out that day. How many applications? Yep. Yeah. yeah so, four applications. Yeah. And I've only, I mean, I've been laid off once in my life too. Um, and 
you know, I, I got laid off at eight in the morning. I got home at six that night. And just once, like, Mark? Yeah, well, just once. Only once has somebody let me go, Jared. But surprisingly enough, have I only been let oh. go from a job one time? Um, oh, laid, laid off. Laid off. Yes, I'm oh. sorry. Okay. Yeah, the math, I don't have triplets and I have three kids. So the math the other I way would be, doing, would be slightly I was, different. I was doing the math in my head. Yeah, no. So, you know, only once did that happen. But, you know, um, she's like, where have you been all day? I'm like, my job now is finding a job. Like, I left. I kind of dumbfounded. I went and talked to a, a man I know who's a business coach, who's a friend of mine, kind of got my head straight for an hour. Um, and then I just started going and meeting with people that I knew and letting them know that, Hey, I'm all of a sudden I'm looking for a job. And I spent, you know, eight hours that day out there with people I knew trying to make sure that I was pushing in the right direction. Um, you know, and just, you know, your job is finding a job and you took that really seriously, which was, which was interesting. So your resume, what was your resume goal, Murphy? It was actually, um, I've been laid off more than that many times. Yeah. Um, I, so I have a system. Uh, of course you do. And it was, of course I do. <laughs> it was, it, this is the issue. When you're laid off, it's like really, when you're alone, you're not working. And also during the pandemic, it's extra difficult because you just can't get out and be around people. So it's very yeah. disheartening. It's alone. You're like, well, does anyone notice? Does anyone care? And it sure doesn't feel like it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can't control whether they call me back. That's outside of my control, but I can control the applications I send out. Yep. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to set a, a very long goal, big goal that hopefully before I hit the goal, I will have a job. Yep. So I was going to uh, send out a hundred resumes. Wow. Not, not sorry. That's not right. Send out a hundred job applications. Turns out guys, project managers are um, desirable in more than just AV roles. Yep. That's what so I love. I that. Um, can I step in here? Because honestly, when I think about what I what I would do if I wasn't in the position I'm in or any credentials or certifications, getting the PMP certification to me is one of the best certifications and education bases you can have. Because like you just said, it's applicable to so many industries. So many. Yeah. And that wasn't a plug for that, but. Well, it, it's true. And so that's the, that's the other thing too is in the AV world, I don't see a lot of PMs bopping around, like in the, in the community, on the Twitter community. I'm not seeing a lot of people who love it from this perspective. Yeah. Because, because PMs don't have to love it. They're like, yeah, that's what I do, but I, you know, I don't have to. And, and PMing, if you're not engaged, can be tedious. It can just be like, okay, done, 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 ugh, done you know, and it's, it's not there. You have to find the ways to love it. It doesn't naturally lend itself to, to love <laughs> so, <laughs> because you're not, when you're not in the room, you're not seeing the lights turn on. You're not hearing the sound. Yeah. But yeah, but do you not love, like you love the systems. My, my, my hunch is that if you're a project manager that loves what they do, it's, it's not necessarily because of the, the finalized product. It's because of the, um, success of the systems that you put in place. Do you, does that make sense? Uh, um, no. Say more. Okay. So my, I have this, I have this theory, and I don't know if I'm going to come under heat for this, but I, I'm going to say it anyways. And if you have to edit it out, Mark, you, you give her. 
Um, my, in my experience, um, women actually make the best project managers. That's my, that has been my industry experience. And, and, and the reasons for that to me are because women just seem to have a more organized uh, way of thinking about things, a more systematic way of thinking of things. And a lot of times I find um, ego is not an issue. And I, I don't know if you've shared that same experience. And so um, to speak to my, my, my thoughts on what I was saying about loving systems is that my wife, for example, when she, she will tackle a project and I don't, I don't care what it is, but the success to her isn't even like the final product as much as it is like, how she figured out how to organize that and actually brought what could have been chaotic into order. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, and, and I'm talking things from homeschooling, which we're taking up on, on the fall to our pantry, anything that requires her to put in work to bring something into order. She loves it. It's like a puzzle that she gets. Yeah, to and it's, her, it's her Sudoku that she gets to do. Yeah. And so that's why I just find, and, and I think so that if I'm, if I'm, maybe I'm way off of what you're thinking, but I just feel like if you're a project manager that loves what they do, it's, it's typically because you love the order you bring to something, you know? Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that could be, um, it does feel good to organize all these people together because projects take so many people and so many different kinds of people. It takes a lot of, of communication, communication crafting. Like, how do I say, how do I take this in from, this is, <laughs> when I first started being a PM, when I first spoke with you, Mark, um, yep. or, uh, it was like, I, I said, I feel like every day I'm almost getting hit by a car. Every day, <laughs> like, oh, I almost got hit by that car, and I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how not to feel constantly like I almost died four times, um, because uh, things were like coming crashing. Like, well, you just barely ca caught the fact that that um, equipment didn't go to the right place at the right time, or you just barely caught that this needed to be this piece of information needed to be given. And I'm like, okay, I need to think of it as if I just saved someone else from getting hit by a car. And he's like, oh, I feel proud. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than in danger. So I had to make that move. But also, um, I, so I was, as I was thinking of how to reframe what I do and, and to feel better about it, um, I realized what, what project management does is it gathers the information and process the information to give it to the right people. And that's really basic what happens, right? You have to get, get all the information then be able to process it to all the right people to give the information that needs to be given to all the different layers. And so that process of communicating, ooh, this is a great segue. Um, that process of gathering the information and re-expressing um, re it to all the different people in whatever form it needs to be is, um, is really difficult. It's a big skill. And um, oftentimes women are good at communicating in that way. And I, the other part is multitasking. 
I, I agree. I would agree with that in a lot of ways. I think it's, it's interesting that we've kind of got on this, on this um, skill set piece that Jared, Jared started us on. Um, I read a book a long time ago that said, you know, that um, when he's talking about process driven and stuff and the ego piece that because of that, like, um, you know, females actually rate much higher, even in like fighter pilot training um, and things than, than men do, mm. um, which was an interesting thing to hear as well, considering the, the reluctance to, to, of the military to kind of open those positions up to females for a long time. Right. Um, it, it's, but this, this whole idea of being able to, um, for me, for me, this really becomes a skill set. The organization is one part of it, right, Murphy? But I think the other part is, is um, two things that you didn't necessarily mention, but I heard in this. Um, one is seeing that big picture, which you were talking about. Like you have to have this overview um, to know exactly where the information needs to be passed to and what needs to be organized. But I think also PMs exert, despite the, the, I guess, association, the tight association with process, what you just described is a very empathetic process because you have to be able to give people information to get their job done based on their role. And you kind of almost have to be in their shoes in the way that you give them the information to make sure that it, you know, that you're not giving them something they don't need, that you're not being unsympathetic to their role and that you're giving them the right piece of information to do their job the best way without clouding it up with other stuff. Right. Because a good PM. Uh, well, yeah. And I, I think yeah. even, yes, I think it's good management in general is knowing yes. what information needs to go to the person and how do they need to receive it in order to best fulfill their role. And that includes up to management too, because management wants dashboards and things like that. It, yeah. Right. I mean, it, it goes, it goes to this concept of, and, and Murphy's a book fan. So, and, and a writer actually, which is, we'll talk about that too. But, um, you know, th there was a, one of the first management books that I was given was First Break All the Rules. And First Break All the Rules was, you know, written by two people who pretty much said the, the whole method of treating your team the same is the blanket wrong approach um, to take in getting results out of people. And that if you don't respect those individual differences first, that you're never going to manage a high performing team. And I think you can do that from a lot of different ways, but I think that's, you know, when you said dashboards, that's what it reminded me of, right? Like we, you know, you want to have all these fancy terms like dashboards and key performance indicators. What are your KPIs for this quarter? Like, okay, great. I, I have goals and we can describe them in a hundred different ways, but you know, what are we actually, does a KPI make your person good, right? Like yes. telling somebody you need to make four phone calls a day. Does that really drive, their business and career forward? Does that maximize their time as an employee or, or is there something else there that you need to know about them? And, and I'm a huge fan of knowing the person and not just the, uh, the data. So and, but you and just, uh, I just want to jump in on the KPIs because, because I, I, I slightly disagree because KPIs and dashboards are extremely important to an organization to I understand. Mr. Manager, Mr. Top yeah. Dog over there, Jared, at, at what is your company's name? Hillman um, in charge. Um, so all things, all things they <laughs> were. <laughs> uh -huh. You have to see it to run the business. There are certain business information that needs to happen that have to bubble up out of projects. Yes. And everyone, I will say this: everyone has a number. Every employee in your company has a metric. Now, 
what I will add to that Mark, what, what Mark brought up was that you're right, Mark, is having your sales guy phone five people a day, is that the metric? Probably not, right? Because, hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Murphy sends out more applications than, than sales leads, right? So, um, but yeah, like assigning the right number and, and that can be of, of a massive variety of things, right? It's, it's, it's determining what's important to be delivered by that employee that impacts the company and then monitoring and measuring that, right? So KPIs do have their place. And I'm I think, not, I think I'm not saying they, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying they don't. I would say if you're going to develop them, make sure that you develop yes. them about what's, what's relevant and impactful, not, yeah. not what, and, and sometimes we just get into what's measurable. Like, oh, they had 17 touches last week with clients. Okay, well, if, if they made a phone call and left the voicemail, is that really a touch with the client? Is that a meaningful interaction? And is so, that meaningful? Is that meaningful? It captures everything right there. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you yeah. know, that's where I loved when I worked for Milestone, we had KPIs because it was a big organization, you know, LaGrande AV now, um, Milestone yep. AV before. Um, we had KPIs, but what I liked about what management did was, you know, like, we don't want you to put in Salesforce that you dropped off donuts at a deal. <laughs> Like, like just to get your numbers up, right? Like, or that you yeah. called Bob and left a message. Like we don't, if you need that stuff to manage your outreach, put it in there, like, or log it somewhere. So, you know, when you've, when you've tried to do these things, but we don't see those as, you know, meaningful, impactful touches. Well, so why don't we log the things that actually make a difference in reaching our goals as opposed yep. to just reaching a number, you know? And the, the goal too is for the people themselves to have awareness and um, be good at yeah. what they do so they can bring their own intelligence, not just be told, do these four things, that's your KPI. Then, then they're like, they can just click that off and be like, oh, I'm done and, and it doesn't matter. But if they themselves are motivated to do the job and get the work done, they can say, here are the, you know, <laughs> I'm reminded of, um, oh gosh, what's that movie? Um, Mm, where she has to wear the 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 um pieces of <laughs> oh pieces of flair office space yeah he's like oh an office space but i have but i have yeah. 14 pieces of flair he's like it's really the, about expressing minimum. yourself it's about ex don't yeah. you want to express yourself don't you want to express yourself yeah. <laughs> okay, so a kpi shouldn't be pieces of flair yeah so how do you murphy how do you measure when you're when you take on a project and you go through it all, and and a project by definition, right, has a has a beginning and an end. That's that's really what defines projects. Yes. How do you define your success? Like, because what are your not? I'm going to say KPIs, but I was I, I mean, don't really mean that within a project sense. But when you're going through a project, when are you like, yeah, that was that went really well. That went exactly how I planned it, and it was successful. Um. <laughs> well, a project should be having a, should have a defined scope of work that's like it airtight. Defined scope of work that that covers what's being done. So, um, um, you had a book, Extreme Ownership, that you recommended on LinkedIn, and I read it. Yep. I also did a little uh, write up of it, and I gave example. I said, "Well, here's here's the book, and let me think about how this applies to my job." And I gave yep. some examples of um, 
projects that. That done. Yeah, that was way fun. Books are fun. Um, and, and, oh, we, you know, we should, we should totally talk about maybe um, collaborating on doing, bringing books into this podcast. I'd be happy to do that. Oh. Um, but um, one of the projects that I brought up that didn't go well was a project um, that the scope was, was poorly defined because um, the, the site survey had not been done and, had, and the site survey didn't grab aspects of this. Um, it was a retrofit of a, of a divisible room and certain aspects of the divisible room that, that were in place that were being you know, upgraded were not taken into account. So um, we just ended up having to like backfill all this stuff that we didn't know about. It got so expensive and it's like, Ugh. so that one didn't feel good, except I could after the fact say, well, I rescued myself and other people from the getting run over by a car because <laughs> this is how we, we handled it. Right. Um, and so uh, every day I had to, to fix that. Um, and so that wasn't a good success, but um, I could learn about, um, next time saying let's make sure to define this and and when the project intake is always an issue for project managers you know like did we get the right package and can can as a project manager i'd like to be able to say hey here are some things that concern me can we do something about it can we go do it now before the project takes off and um fix it that way so this 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 would be a you know a senior project manager would know how to do that. <laughs> but also a company would be able to hear that when a project manager says it. And, and these, both of these things are not always in place. But you know, you get through it and um, communicate to everybody so that you get to the part where it is um, you know, to scope and meets the requirements of the customer. And it's a success when the, um, the money goals are met, but it's also very, it's a satisfying success when the customer is happy and you get yeah. a, a loyal customer out of it. Yeah. One of the, when I'm thinking about one of the best experiences I had with project manager um, in my past life, um, it very much came down to, to two things. And, and I think I heard those two things and what you said, and I've just defined it a certain way myself as a, as somebody who's come from a sales perspective all my life is that there's the, there's kind of the letter of the job, um, which is the easy part to kind of write down on paper. It's going to do X, Y, Z. It's going to be composed of these 18 components. They're going to be connected and controlled in this way. And then there's yeah. a part that I, I call the spirit of the job. And that's, you know, what is, what is, what is the customer actually expecting? What is their vision of what that looks like in their head and, and what's their emotional kind of attachment to how that's going to work. And I think I come to that because I started in residential and I found out very quickly that, you know, 300 Watts times five channels, right? The, sp the spirit of the job really matters. It's somebody's home. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's an extension and a reflection of themselves. It may be where they entertain for business. It may be, you know, it's just something very the, personal. The, the finances, the finances are a lot more personal too, right? The finances are their money, right? They're going to be paying yeah. for it for 30 years if they're wrapping it in their mortgage. So, you know, for me, it was always, um, how do we have a meeting for me to distill the stuff that can't be put on paper 
um, easily and transfer that knowledge from sales or sales engineering to a project manager um, in a way that, that I guess fulfills that end goal. And I guess what I mean, what, I'll give an example. When I said one of the best PMs I had on a project, um, I was doing a church. Um, and so the church wanted to do a video upgrade. Uh, but the people who were running the project were the people who were actually um, on the design uh, committee for the church when they built it 15 years prior. And so um, there were people who had been in that uh, parish. It was a Catholic church. They'd been in that parish a long time. Um, this was their home church. They started in a high school gym. They imagined what this church was going to look like. They helped raise money. They were on a design committee. They worked with an architect. They built the church. That's a and lot that, yeah. And there's a lot of emotional attachment, yeah. right? And ownership, uh, extreme ownership, Jared, of, of what it looked like, of what it looked like and what it felt like inside. And now we were coming in to do video in there. And I, when you said earlier, um, you said earlier, I don't know if we said it on air or not, but about the CNC machine, everybody should have a friend with the CNC machine. You did say it on the air, so I'm going to repeat it. Um, Everybody should have a CNC, a friend with CNC machine. Well, I worked at a company that had a lot of fabrication equipment. And um, so what we did when we looked at this church was, okay, how do we make things disappear the best way possible? And we knew we needed two screens in the front. We knew that we needed them at, you know, a slight angle into the congregation um, for everybody to be able to see the right way and the way the light came in and all those things. So we had that part all figured out and we could have hung some screens on chains or on aircraft cables from the top and put some projectors partway through on poles and done this, but everything would have been visible. And it was something that they really didn't want. And so what we actually did um, was we were able to do this site survey. Um, we were able to get ultra long throw lenses, put the projectors all the way back. And they had all these powder coated beams that went through the church that were these metal powder coated beams. Um, and so what we did with the, um, with the screens where we're actually able to make um, custom attachments, cut them on the water jet cutter actually that we had, um, make custom attachments to these beams. And we had everything powder coated the same color as the metal and the beams. And so these 45s that ended up going across these beams that came together as 90s actually looked like they were all part of the beam work, but they were actually the screens and the mounts and everything. Right. So everything became invisible. Um, with the long through lenses, we went all the way to the back. We were able to put white projectors against white walls in between beams that came together in these little triangles. Um, I mean, if you weren't looking for equipment, you couldn't find it. And um, my project manager, to go back to that, you know, he was one of these people that just like he saw problems and fixed them and saw problems and fixed them and was able to coordinate trades and and knew how to get the right powder coat colors, knew how to create a, we were using iPad for some of the control and sharing, like knew how to create a, a wireless gateway and bridge their, their wireless network from the office into this piece for, for that kind of stuff. Like he, he saw every problem coming around the corner and was proactively finding these solutions as we went through. And when you talk about a, when you talk about a client at the end, um, they came to us and church money is, is parishioner money. So they're also very cautious about spending it. And it'd taken a while to get the contract. And they were like, we were going to do this on our own. Like we, we looked at this and said, it's a couple projectors pushing light across to some screens. Like we can buy this stuff on our own. And they're like, we are so happy 
that we did not do that because we never could have made it look like what you guys made it look like. Mm -hmm. Right. And to have a client come and be like that, especially when they're so emotionally attached to it was just an amazing feeling. I mean, it was, those are the kind of experiences that were really cool. But I had a PM, like I said, who, who, um, you know, knew the vision, you know, he and I spoke about the job and, and just related that like, yes, everything can be done in a certain way, but these people are very attached to the look, the colors, the feel, and any type of change to what they've designed is, is going to be hard for them to stomach. So how do we make this look like it was planned 15 years ago? And when we took that approach, it really turned out a lot differently. Um, cost a little more, but it would, but they were, they were willing to pay it once, once they realized that we could do it. So. Wow. Well, that's, that's a great story. I bet you, obviously you remember that fondly. That's really a successful project to be part of that and make something really beautiful. Make the key, the, the key in that too, Mark, was that someone, you know, you guys took the time to communicate as Murphy alluded to communication and Someone took the time at your organization to communicate the importance of this project to the church, right? And so, because um, what, if you look at installation teams and you look at project managers, well, sometimes they, they, they were never really part of the client facing side of that, right? So yeah. all those empathetic conversations and those relationship conversations that sales or the account manager, or the senior account manager, or the senior to the executive account manager, whatever uh, title you have. Um, you know, when you have those conversations with the with the client, it is important that you relay that to everyone that's going to step foot in that place and put care into that project because that that that's what makes it. That's what drives the empathy to to that layer of 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 service. If that makes sense, like I know when we were doing some work for. Um, a few clients who were actually shut down because of COVID, right? I had expressed to our team that, hey, you know, this is a business that can operate right now because, because of COVID restrictions. So you can imagine that if you're talking to anyone on site, they're probably uptight. They're probably very under pressure right now. The stress is high. Um, so really go in with soft hands, right? I mean, don't, if there's a, if there's a problem or if there's a change or anything that's going to cost them more money or stress, basically, you want to go in a little bit softer than we normally would because COVID is putting people on edge, right? And so communicating that to your entire team, I think made a huge difference and should. Now, how do you distill some of that stuff, Merv? Is that, is that stuff yeah. that's important when you're managing a project? Have you found that valuable when you know that up front or have you been able to figure out a process to distill that from people or some type of meeting that you have to try to download that information that can't be written down so much? Okay, so. Mm. Probably not in the program report. <laughs> One of the things that, that is really important to me in, in when I do project management is make sure to meet with the customer, you know, talk with the customer at least once a week on a project touch base, make sure you know, you know what's happening. And when I have my initial meeting with the customer, well, there's, there's the flow. Like first you have the internal kickoff. You're like, okay, what's this all about? Tell me what's happening. And then I asked the, the salesperson and the engineer who designed it, the solution tech that designed it, what do I need to know about this customer? What are, what are they like? What, what are their hot points? What's happening? And then you have the meeting with the customer. And um, I, I just say, this is what we're doing for you. This is where we are right now. And um, this is, 
what's going to happen. And then I asked the customer, does that sound right to you? And, and they're like, oh yeah. And, and then, and they'll bring up like, oh, actually don't forget, um, we, we need it to happen this day. And, and, and they'll tell me the details. But as I have that initial conversation, I start to get to know um, who, who that customer is and, and what kind of communication they want. I do global projects all over the world, right? Um, Which is very cool. I know. By the way. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, small pause. Jared, you're from Canada. You're from Saskatchewan. I'm actually born and raised in Alaska. So I've spent a bunch, I have, as a child, driven up and down the Alaska Canada Highway four times. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so I have Canada, but BC, all BC, right? All British Columbia, which is beautiful, which is beautiful region sure. too. Yeah. yeah. So, but Canada is like that, that big patch of land between America and America, you know, Alaska. And yeah. America. For those of you that didn't know, Alaska is north of Canada. So we're right in between for, for those of you that didn't know. But BC, not Saskatchewan, you know, right along. Yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that is to say... Um, uh, Alaska is part of America, kind of, and uh, it's very far away, which is another reason why I do feel deeply, we're connecting people, they can talk. <laughs> and and um, to, to be able to be part of, uh, have my job, which is the whole world is like, I've made it, this is so cool, being this tiny little, you know, nothing city in Alaska and I am able to do this now. Super cool. That, um, yeah, very that, cool. Yeah. But what that means is understanding their communication style and how they need to hear the information and how I need to ask the question. That's a lot of it, how I need to ask the question. Um, yeah. But, but let's be real. I had this job. Oh my gosh, this job, <laughs> deep Midwest, this, this financial institution in the deep Midwest, and they were taking over a whole bunch of other banks across all of America. This is America, this is my country, right? I should know how to talk to Americans, right? Uh, I would think so, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, Nobody hopefully. does. This should be the easy one, right? But they were so different. I came in, I talked to New York all the time, and, and just, okay, got this, got this, okay, good, go, go, let's go, right? Huh? No. Hello. How are you today? Just slow down all the way down. And they were actually a very, um, very up and coming company. But the project um, required this type of communication. I just like, whoa, slow all the way down. Ask the question and give them three seconds to answer long time and the answer was well mike how do you feel about that another three seconds and mike was going to answer so this was slow this was they, how they had to do it. they they definitely had to have consensus but when they had consensus they definitely executed oh yep. so, so you're saying people in the midwest are slow i don't know this company was yep <laughs> I hadn't dealt with this deep of a Midwest company before. Chicago didn't ha is, is faster. Yeah, tell me what, what states are considered, here's, a, here's a, a geography question for you. What states are considered Midwest? 
oh oh for the for the foreigner in the house um yeah like, <laughs> I, like, sure. like when i think midwest i think this is i'll tell you what i think and this is not can i don't speak for all canadians i just think for I, i'm just speaking for my education mm. I, when i hear midwest i think probably illinois probably um minnesota well, maybe like i don't know wisconsin well, it, more Wisconsin. It has to do also with whether they're in a um, busier city. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. Um, Chicago, like Chicago, is a Midwest city. Chicago is. Uh, mm, they are a city in the Midwest. <laughs> I, can, I can accept. I can accept that answer. Yeah, I and, that. and I think that the Twin Cities too in the Minnesota area is also more of a city. So, um, yeah, and the South has its own thing too. Yep. Yeah, but if you go to somewhere like Huntsville, that's all aerospace, it's going to be very. You, you'd be very surprised about how tech driven and and business savvy in a place like that is versus you know going somewhere else. So, it it is interesting as you go around the country and and go to different places. Um, but I think you're right. I think it has to do with size of city. I think it has to do with the you know, migration of the population. Like, where do these people come from? What industries are in this city? Um, right. You know, daylight was in Warsaw, Indiana. Warsaw, Indiana is like two and a half hours, you know, east of Chicago into Indiana. There's no, you know, you could fly into, I guess you could fly into South Bend and, and jump an hour in a car instead, but you'd have to fly into Chicago anyway, and then just get on a small prop plane to get that far. So you, you pretty much fly into Chicago and drive. But um, besides being home to daylight in Warsaw, they have like three big biomedical manufacturers in Warsaw and most of the jobs there are people that do biomedical. So it'd be interesting to go into Warsaw where you think it's, it's farmland and lakes and all of a sudden find, you know, a huge community of people who work in the biomedical industry in the middle of, of Indiana, right? So I think it really does depend on the city, the demographic and the business. But but yeah, there there's definitely a, a cadence and a to each business. And when I was supporting, I was supporting, you know, as a manufacturer rep, you know, Arizona, Nevada, California, Hawaii, um, and different when you even just in those four states, even, you know, with Nevada, Arizona, and California being geographically close, the, the mindset and the way that people interact in the three cities are completely, you know, in Phoenix, Las Vegas, and San Francisco, even San Francisco versus Orange County, right? Or Los Angeles versus Orange County can be very different. So I think, in, you know, you're in a big country as well, Jared. I mean, Canada's, are you geographically bigger than us? Like, yes. Square, I thought so. So, you know, square, square miles, right? It's Canada. Larger Second largest United. country in the world, I think. Yep. There you go. Um, but I mean, as, as far as the diversity of cities in the U.S., I think it's, it's huge. And I'm sure you guys have that too. I mean, I grew well, up. Well, you're, you're 10 times the population. Yeah, there you go, right? Yeah, we're, we're a larger landmass, but yes. you're 10 times the population. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, for sure. But, but there, is a, there, is a huge, there is a huge difference between each location that you go to. In Hawaii, and, it was really interesting. Like people don't even carry business cards. Like they come to a, they'll come to a business conference in their casual clothes without even a way to contact them unless they really wanted to get a hold of you. Like they don't carry cards. You know, I, I went and supported a couple of events there. And if like you didn't write somebody's name down, you didn't know who they were after you left. It was just like, that's, that's the way it was. It's just very casual. And if, and they're very loyal to the people who come to the island, right? So if you make the effort to come out there, they're going to try to do business with you. And if you don't make the effort to come out there, 
then you're just another phone call they got that day. So, mm. See, so and you have to know this about who you're yeah. talking to and, and you can't, you can't assume, you can't assume like, well, I know what this is about. And especially, especially this is, this is just good. I mean, in this current climate of being aware of, of diversity in different cultures, you know, shut up and listen. That's what we got to do. Go tell me what you need. Tell me pull, what I can do to help you. Pull quote of the day. Shut up and listen. Uh, yep. I love it. You know, work together. It, it's a hundred percent true. And when I worked, um, I think I got this, I think I got this early on in my career because I worked in rest. Sorry, my alerts are going crazy. Um, I got this in, I'm gonna have to filter this out. Hold on. Did, don't you hate it? So this is, I'm gonna say something. So Outlook, I have it closed. I'm just going on this because we're on the air and it's driving me nuts. Outlook is closed, but I'm getting all sorts of like weird notifications. And I know every time one beeps, you guys don't hear the ding, but I know in the recording, it's actually gonna blank out my voice for a second, which sucks. So anyways, mm. just a side note, I don't know how to get rid of, I don't know how to get rid of them. They're just going nonstop in the background. So yeah, let's talk about that in terms of unified communications because that's coming up. Yep. Because, okay, unified communications is making, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more into what Microsoft Teams can do and Microsoft Teams is an incredibly powerful thing and it is part of the unified commu communications. Um, it is the, the spearhead of unified communications for the world. This is kind of the best we've got and it's still scruffy. It's still annoying, it's still awkward, but we are in the world where we have created systems to grab all this data. We have to have the data. You can't do anything on one monitor anymore because we don't use paper so much anymore. Everything is in the cloud, it's in the system, right? And so we have to have a way of keeping all that information. And more important than that, we have to have the, the way of taking that information from the systems and giving it to the teams who all live everywhere. Yes. They live everywhere they live and you say oh they live in their office is in uh springfield or wherever right mm -hmm. and um but they don't go to their office anymore and um they might be traveling the world with their phone so all of it has to be available and that's what unified communications is about it's not even just this this loveliness talking to one another and seeing one another's faces through conferencing it's being able to get the data to get the work done to make the decisions and to make the next action. All of that is what we have to be able to do right now. And it's not, it's, it's, it's still beta, but we have to use it. It's beta in flight. Yeah. We're doing it. We're doing it. All of us have to be doing it. It's, and, um, yeah, it's very frustrating. I love the the acronyms and the way that we the way that we kind of pile on. I love I love uh, I love our industry for this um, in, in a very sarcastic way. Um, that that every whatever the buzzword of the time is, your device your device is right. Like the you know oh it's it's you know it's unified communications. Like no, it's not. It's video conferencing. Like it's it's one oh. component of a unified of a unified communication system, but it's not the solution. Right. So and I think many times we get caught up in like people, people brand something um, in order to capitalize on, on the buzz of what's going on. But it, it's really not, unless you have a, 
of course they do. But unless you have like a, a larger ecosystem that it's operating within, you're really not creating what you're saying you're creating, right? Like, I, like a like unified unified communications and collaboration is is you're saying it's almost more it's a workflow product. It's like yeah. or a, a workflow. Yes, it, it's a hundred percent a workflow. Like a, a yeah. you know, I and I've I think I've written about this before, but you know, putting a putting a a touch screen in a room doesn't create collaboration, right? Like the, yeah. the room itself, the mindset of the people, the, oh, the, the, dare you. the methodology of the meeting, <laughs> the culture of the company, all of those things are what create the collaboration and the, the whiteboard may, may facilitate it, you know, facilitate the actual task, but like collaboration ooh, doesn't ooh, happen. Oh. There you go. Go Murphy. Okay. Uh -oh. I said let, something. Let me let me tell you something. I all the way back. Uh -huh. I started my career as an intern at NASA in Silicon Valley. NASA's That's a very awesome. big company. Yes. Which yeah. from the outside sounds really cool. Doesn't it? It sounded so yeah. cool. I was like, I'm somebody, I did something that people You're like, know. I'm going to work for NASA in Silicon Valley. How many other buzzwords can I drop into this like statement? <laughs> I, I had landed there coming from Alaska trying to get finally uh, finished get my college degree but it turns out my um, education prior to that point hadn't led me to the part where I could go to college a real college because the Alaska college wasn't really I mean anyway um, so then uh, while I was trying to get into college I ended up landing in this internship and I'm like oh cool I'm actually something and uh, it led to it was for uh, 97 desktop collaboration and video conferencing and um, we were messing around with net meeting and white pine and um, that led to going to um, work for visa international which was up the road big companies and i worked for kaiser permanente for nine years big companies and um, those companies trying to unify their communications Right now, this moment, those big companies are disintegrating. Not those particular big companies necessarily, but all big companies because of the pandemic, they're having to shed the parts that, they're having to jettison stuff so that they can stay alive. All businesses are having to make these tough decisions. Yep. That's what's yeah. happening right now. And so what they need, and, and in addition to that, they are um, having to grapple with uh, workforces not being under one roof. That's a big management shift. Mm -hmm. So this is a, this is a watershed moment in history. Oh, I, yeah, this, I mean, yeah, I just, I, the, I, just yeah. went through, I, I just went through this. I just went through this talking about outcome culture, right? Like, I mean, that's the, that's the latest buzzword on, on the new work from home on the new remote workforce. And this is what I, what I wrote about. And it's it's that shift of I don't care that you didn't clock in at eight thirty this morning and then you clocked out at five and now my assumption is that you took you did an eight hour day's worth of work with a half an hour lunch. It's it's on the deliverable side. It's on the project management side. It's on the I just want to know that you're getting your job done. And what do I need to do that? I need KPIs. Boom, full circle. <laughs> See how I did that? But but. Yes, in addition to that, yes, like how do we tell? How do yeah. managers tell? And you're, how do managers tell what got done? And we have yes. to find a way of quickly grabbing that information. But, but also as a, as a, 
eagle eye view to yep. this industry, which from my perspective, unified communication is what video conferencing has rolled up to. Yep. Um, so unified video conferencing is not enough. If video conferencing doesn't have an outcome of a deliverable of information that is put in a packet and kept somewhere and operated on, it didn't do enough. Yeah. I, Mark, this I, could be like this could be like a whole this could be our two and a half hour Jocko podcast. <laughs> if it is, we're gonna we're gonna break it up. Um, <laughs> but the no, I I think a hundred percent. I don't want to get off the I don't want to get off the topic because I think it's super important. I mean you know, I made this statement and maybe it was, maybe it was just kind of a, a flippant statement that Jared pulled out of a architect podcast that I had, but you know, I said, we can't be, we can't be experts in workplace technology if we're not experts in the workplace. Like if you don't know what people are actually doing in the space that they inhabit, your ability to use technology to enhance that is going to mm -hmm. be nil because you don't understand how they actually work and what they actually do. And we can throw, we can throw fancy terms and stuff at them and maybe they'll purchase it. And maybe if, if you're a revenue-based company and your goal is to generate revenue, you think that that's a success. I don't find that successful, right? Like I'm, I'm very, I'm very invested in is what I'm going to deliver going to make a difference to the people that I'm delivering it to, you know, is it actually going to accomplish a goal? And, you know, when you say, you know, this is one small component, it's definitely one small component and even a tool like this that offers so many things. So here on zoom, we can do, we're, we're doing, we're recording this on Zoom. We're just gonna release the audio, but just just in that way, we're using this as an audio recording tool right now. So Zoom mm -hmm. could be an yeah. audio recording tool. Zoom could be a video recording tool. Zoom could be a place that we actually do brainstorming with breakout rooms and put people into different sessions. Don't forget Zoom the screen share part. Yep, right. Um, you have the whiteboard function, you have screen sharing. You have the ability to do one-to-many with a webinar if we needed more people on here, but we didn't actually need their their input and we wanted to- It could be a place out. for virtual happy hours. Yeah, it could be a place for virtual happy hours, right? There are all these <laughs> things that it can facilitate, um, but the tool itself, like if, if you don't know what you're trying to, to do, the workflow in it is, is huge. And I think this is where we have, you know, some gaps in the industry and some opportunity is that if we understand, if we can understand how people are working, we can help them create workflows around the technology that they're using. And I think that's where we add value as technology. People. Because, you know, if you say like something like this, like we could all sit here and we could say, hey, we're going to have a brainstorming meeting at two o'clock on Wednesday. And we all come in here and we say, hey, what are your great ideas? And half of us are ready to be in this meeting. Half of us aren't. Some of us have ideas. Some of us don't. Three people that have ideas talk. The oh, other people a winning streak on our bejeweled. Yep, that, exactly. Right. Somebody's on bejeweled and they're on a winning streak. They don't want to start, log off. Um, yeah. But you know, then, then what happens is we leave three people gave input in a 10 people meeting. We, we created consensus maybe around something, or maybe we have four more meetings to do that where we know that like idea generation, a lot of times needs time. Right. And so we need an asynchronous place that we can meet. So we need to have like some type of meeting where we discuss something. We need quiet time to write things down. A lot of people won't throw things out. They say brain writing is better than brainstorming. So if you're in a room and you're actually wanting to create ideas, write them down, start passing them around the room. Nobody know, knows whose ideas they are, but you're seeing them go and you're not having to say them out loud and write them up on the board and then realize that maybe they didn't sound so good once you said them out loud. 
right? You start generating things and those ideas start to form other people's impressions and go, oh, that's cool, but what if I did this? this and they is, write something else down. This is exactly right. People work this way and we yes. need to have the technology that works the way people work. And, and the, pe the technology needs to be there and also people have to shift to work with the technology just a little bit so that we Thank can you. start using it. Yes. I, I, was, I wanted to get to that too because I know everyone talks about when we talk about user interfaces and we talk about blending into a, an existing workflow, a hundred percent, you have to make things very comfortable for people to use very natural for them to use. But the tipping point on that balance is like, you still need a little bit of buy-in and investment on learning the tools, you know, yeah. you still have to have that. Well, this is, this is why when I, when I talked about um, flipped classroom, as a potential model for increasing user adoption. And I just threw this out there, right? Like in flipped classroom, you don't come to class to listen to the instructor. You get the information ahead of time. And then you come to class to, to actually solve problems with the other students. And the, the teacher comes- academy type model. Yep, and then the teacher comes around as a coach to help you in your group work solve these problems. So what if instead of sitting everybody down in a room and the one person that knows how to use the system shows everybody how to use the system, and stands up front and gives a presentation and walks them through the steps, hands them a laminated sheet, and then they leave. And then later they have questions or they forget. What if instead of doing that, that person does that, sends out the 10 minute video, everybody watches the 10 minute video, the person using the room, they get the laminated sheet and they get three instructions. Come to the room tomorrow, we're gonna have an hour meeting. I want you to bring your laptop or whatever device you would normally bring to a meeting to share a presentation. Bring, four, uh, bring three fun facts about you and four pictures from your last vacation. And now everybody comes in the room, they bring their device, they stand up for five minutes, they go through connecting their device, sharing their three things about them, their four pictures from their family vacation, they get to tell some fun facts about themselves, everybody has a culturally bonding experience, and people are there to help coach each other through how to connect or why they're not being able to connect, they go through, they're all learning it together, they're having this fun informative thing, and now when they all leave, they've all had the experience of using the space, Maybe they know something else about each other. And then the next time four of them are in the room, if one of them doesn't remember, mm -hmm. the, maybe the other three do, right? So that would be the, that exercise that you're talking about would be trying to help people engage with the technology and display in that, that room, right? Yeah. But in a fun way, that's not a pressure yeah. in front of a CEO giving your first annual report it's, is the first time you've ever touched the system, yeah. right? It's like the solitaire, it's, it's the solitaire game. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, right. This is, this is how a mouse works. Click on it. And yeah. Yeah. Which I thought, so, so quick story on that for anyone that was at the AV at the attended virtually the AVIT summit, um, and, and tuned into the keystone from, uh, the president or I think she's the, the president or the CEO of, of esports. Yep. Right. That was a great presentation. It was an incredible presentation because she, it, what I tuned, when I tuned in, I thought, okay, I'm going to check it out and I'm going to hear about how these kids are making millions playing from their mom's basement. But man, did I learn. And, and she talked a ton, a ton about learning. And one of the interesting facts in there that I never knew, uh, I mean, being as young as I am, right, that when Microsoft <laughs> first came out and Solitaire was on their system, it was just there to teach people how to use the newly, the newly uh, brought out mouse on a computer, which I thought was genius because that's that's exactly what people did is they learned how to use a mouse on a computer on a computer you know i took away from that <laughs> fun fact away from that i need to um i need to set up 
on my uh, Minecraft server for my daughter and for this, <laughs> her school friends here. I absolutely need to do it because it's driving me crazy. I have an 11 year old daughter and she hasn't seen another kid since March 13th. Right? Yep. I'm like, gah. And yeah. we're not going to have, I don't know if we're going to see any, we're not going to have Halloween. We're not going to have any fun, any fun stuff. The parks are closed. The best we can do is go to a dog park and she can play with the dogs, which is awesome. But it's sad. I'm like, what, what she needs, she's 11. She doesn't really know how to find her friends online. And I don't yes. want her free ranging the internet yet because there's creeps out there. But if I create a Minecraft server and it's a safe playground and I can invite her friends on it, I'm like, ooh, I got to do that. I got to figure yeah. out how to do that. And, and I'm starting to look into it. I'm like, that's perfect because you know what? Fine. They're going to learn. Actually, she's a little nerd, just like her mommy and daddy. And she watches her. She's learning just fine, but she's not able to play. And I don't want her to be a twisted nerd. So she needs to have a way to talk to people. And that's what games are also for social interaction. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think gamify, I mean, like you said, really what they did is they gamified the user experience. Yeah. Right. Is like, here's, we're going to gamify this, this learning experience of, of learning this new user interface. And I think if you could do that in a corporate way, and maybe, maybe because it's play, they don't, you know, it, it's something that would have some resistance in the corporate world, but I think we need to embrace that more, that we need, we need some fun, playful, non-pressure ways for people to get comfortable with adopting technology. And we, do, we do have to leverage the momentum that they already have. That's why I say, let them bring their own device, let them bring this, that, whatever it is that they would normally use. And it but, doesn't, just like you were saying before, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be friendly and approachable and we can all do yep. it kind of thing. And I honestly think that gifts inside of chat is really helpful for that. Yeah. The little tiny jokes, <laughs> pre-made jokes to add a little levity and make people connect and smile together. That's worth a lot. Yeah, Teams, I, Teams has a good good library of gifts. GIFs. Yes, GIFs. I love uh I love that. I love that component too. I love that it brings, I love that they're trying to bring some of the tools we use in our social world into mm -hmm. our, you know, our corporate networks, because I do think it helps personalize things and shows people's personalities. Some of the best, um, some of the best co community building I've had at my company has been, you know, little text, you know, little text threads that happen between people, um, where again, yeah, you're sharing GIFs and memes and all sorts of little stuff, maybe after a meeting or maybe sometimes during, you know, as things are going on. Yeah. But now to be able to do that in a, in a thread in Teams, as long as it's safe for work, as long as it's not the uh, NSFW stuff, um, you, you're pretty good. I don't good. think that's in the library of Teams GIFs. I hope not. No, I don't well, think so. You know, what, you know what's funny is, is, is when, you, when you talk about team building and you talk about team culture, when, when, when the company announces that they're going to schedule a team building activity, I can guarantee you that the team building activity is not sitting in a boardroom, having a PowerPoint presentation read to you about last year's budgets. You know what I mean? They like companies know how to build culture and they know what builds team building. So why not incorporate that into your workflow? Why is the workflow not experiencing that same feel and that same look as your team building exercises and your culture that, if that makes any sense. And, and that's something that kind of came up this week. Um, me and Mike Slammer on Twitter were involved in a whole discussion about um, remote team building and remote culture building. Yes. That um, it, 
it, yes, it can be done not in the same room. And we can develop relationships with people remotely. I got used to that as a young age. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it came through a um, green on black monitor. Yeah, green on black. That's so funny. But so the, yeah. the, the part for me on this, and this is interesting, and so I'll throw it out there and then probably Jared wants to do a two and a half hour podcast so, so bad, but I don't know that, I don't know that we're going to do that today. But oh, I, I the, yeah, today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but the, the interesting thing is, is that like, so we, we discuss this in our company quite a bit. And I think this is one of the things we're talking about with um, the next, I liked the term the next normal better than the new normal. So I'm going to use the next normal. Um, whatever the new, whatever the, whatever the next iteration of the workplace is, um, you know, we're talking about how important is it for people to be physically together, maybe even just a couple days a week if they can be versus five, but is there still an importance to people being physically together? And one of the things, you know, we as a company kind of discuss at my current company is, you know, we were very successful in transitioning from work to home, to working from home. But we, we feel that there were kind of two things that did that. Number one, we had the tools in place. We were already using, you know, Office 365. We were already using Teams and Skype and all these things. Um, we added Zoom into our repertoire, you know, partway through this. But, you know, so we did find some other tools that we started to adopt. But we were, we were technically savvy. And we had our, we all had, we had a VPN. We have a workplace resources tab. We can get into our systems. We can do all those things. So we set up for that. But the second part was kind of more of this intangible thing of as an organization, you know, we depend on each other and we trust each other to get our jobs done. And that's the way that we act as professionals, right? There's not a lot of micromanagement in, in a lot of ways. So um, if, if we didn't have those interpersonal relationships already that we've forged in person over time to create trust and reciprocity and all of these things, would we have been as successful going all remote? Because I think one of the things that helped us is I know Nick, I know Amber, I know Bob, I know Roy. Like, so when we're home and we don't see each other, I know trust and understand the person because I've had experience with them over the last year and a half in that person. Point because I'm six weeks into a job that's 100% remote and I've never physically met any of my coworkers. Mm -hmm. So I'm having to create this, and this is this is actually the second job. I had a job for two years before that that was also 100% remote, and I didn't meet any of my direct coworkers. My AV team, I met some of people at the local office that were um, not particularly AV, but um, creating that sense of community and culture and uh, teamsmanship without that. It's like, yeah, it's great. If I remember that time that we sat together and that smile that we gave each other and that laugh that we had, that helps absolutely. But um, you got a bunch of people that are hoping to start a new job right now yeah. <laughs> that may not have that. So what do we do? do they, how do we help those people? I got to tell you, one of the things that happened on, what, when was it? When we all got our stay at home, March, um, 16th March or something. 16th. Yep. I, I knew it. I actually said the right date. I can't yes. believe it. It shall be the monument in history. There'll be a monument somewhere saying on this day, we all stopped talking to each other. Um, <laughs> but I, I went, oh my God, I was already working from home, but I thought now everybody's working from home and that's 
what, what can I do to help people? And I thought about all, I knew that my lady friends, the yoga pants brigade, were all going to get on Facebook and chat and chat with each other. Okay. We were ready for that. Right. Um, but my, my, my male coworkers who were much more tight lipped and, you know, they would come to work and not say much, say, Hey, morning. And they would do their thing. And I thought these guys are not super chatty. They're not going to get on Facebook. They don't do that. And maybe they're going to be lonely and I don't want them to not have a smile in their life. And so I was like, I know how to get on video. And I started doing face uh, LinkedIn. Yep. Every morning. Every morning. And that was kind of like, that's my, I don't know what else to do at this time, but I'm like, this is one thing that maybe might help. So I just started saying hi, because that's what would happen if we passed one another at the coffee station at work. And I wanted to give that. That's so awesome. I think, and I think, you know, coming back to the, to the, to the beginning there with that, it's, um, I think it's that vulnerability of just putting yourself out there and that, you know, that, um, work is work is work, but we are still people, you know, moving through this world. It was scary because LinkedIn was like, be formal and say things and like my awesomeness of this year for where I work is this important milestone and come buy things from my company. That's what LinkedIn was supposed to be, right? Well, that's what it was supposed to be in February. (laughs) (laughs) That ended. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love it. I think, I think it's a great, I think it's a great way to, I think it's a great way to to help reinforce that. And I know that's the one thing we miss in the office. I talked to somebody I, uh, yesterday on a call that I was helping from my team, not from my team, from the construction team. So we have teams that don't always talk to each other all the time because we have different divisions of our business. We have furniture, we have technology, we have a construction services team. Um, but our group was physically located next to the construction services team within the building. So I don't have reason to talk to them, but I had opportunity. And I think that's what digital doesn't give us sometimes, right? It's where is the chance encounter in a Zoom call? Well, we kind of got a little bit into that in the chat. I forget which one it was on, Mark, where um, we were saying, I think at NIV, A-V-I-T. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. And, and um, I think, but you can reach out. You have to, you have to create it at that point. Yeah. It's not natural. It's not a brush by one another in the hallway anymore. Yeah. You have to orchestrate, which is, like to, I said, but, but like you said, for some people, that'll be unnatural. So we have to make sure that we're leveraging, I guess, leveraging our extroverts and technology in a way that creates. Technology like, extroverts, yeah. <laughs> but because, I mean, you've created the opportunity for a chance encounter through the video. Like somebody may be scrolling LinkedIn, go, oh, I know Murphy. And they pause and they listen to you talk for three minutes and drink your tea or your coffee or whatever you have that morning. And yeah. you've created this opportunity for a chance encounter that wasn't planned. They don't have to log into a call. They don't have to make a commitment to a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it creates, and then maybe that creates a, a deeper connection. Maybe somebody goes, Hey, Oh, maybe they send you a note. Hey, I saw your thing this morning. Really cool. Or they comment or mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that chat, that chance interaction is there. So I think using our tools in a way that creates kind of these asynchronous moments that people can stumble upon during their day, yes. I think can help that greater connection for sure. And, and also, doing it in a way that's a gift to the recipient. Yeah. I think that's probably a sales thing. I've never been in sales, but everyone is in sales. Everyone. <laughs> um, then I should get a better commission. Um, well, you sold you sold yourself to get to get the job, to get where you're at. Sure, yeah. 
uh, here I am. This is fun. This is happening. This podcast. Um, <laughs> so, you know, bringing bringing value that's just a straight up gift, and and also also that means having a sense of yourself and recognizing the value that I bring to other people. You know, do I have the right answer to solve all of their problems? No, but valuing a smile, just just saying, hey, how are you? I hope you're well. Take care of yourself. That's actually a gift, it turns yeah. out. <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's amazing what resonates. So I think, you know, I think moral of the story is find ways to connect, right? I mean, it's... Yeah. And even when it's, when it's weird and uncomfortable and also um, getting outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, as a company, we had to read um, uh, Brene Brown, Dare Greatly. Mm -hmm. uh, one of our book, book club there you go that's a, that's a girl book that's a lady book yeah <laughs> being vulnerable being yeah. vulnerable yeah well cool well i we could talk all day and we're gonna have to have you back I, I was gonna ask you about the book you wrote but we don't have time but we're gonna have to we have to come back you Amazon. have to come back sometime yeah yep. yes yes totally jared this is way fun and mark this is super fun i would totally love to talk with you guys again that's awesome. Well, Jared, do you have any, you have anything to say in closing besides, you know, what, do you need, do you need like a weather report for your golf game today? Or you said the grass is green and the sun is warm. Is, are the, you know, might be, it might be too warm. I think there might be a storm. But um, <laughs> No, I mean, this, this conversation could go on. This is, this is, this is, we just hit probably like the top, the top three to five topics of our industry. And, and what the three of us seem to talk about a lot, but uh, this is great. Yeah. I don't know awesome. how to, I don't know how to close it out or what people, what people oh. learned. If I think if you learned anything today, listening to our podcast, it's that solitaire was about teaching people how to use. Yes. Yes. Solitaire. Or that, or that Murphy Daly is somebody that you need to connect with on LinkedIn and get to know because she's a cool, dynamic, diverse person. Aww. That too. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, the videos are fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for riding with us through AV Daybreak. Sorry we went a little long today, but I think we had some great conversations. And uh, we will see you all next week. Bye, everybody.